This is the Right Now Podcast with Sarah Werner. Welcome back again this week, friends. I am so happy. I was going to say I'm so happy to hear from you, but I'm not hearing from you. You're hearing from me. I'm so happy to be here with you today on this beautiful day, wherever you are, whoever you are. I hope that it is lovely and wonderful. Speaking of lovely and wonderful, I have a fantastic guest for you to meet today. This is my good friend, Lee Shackelford, who is the creator of Relativity, but that is not all that Lee is. And we're going to talk a little bit about today, about creating and creative identity. And just, hi, welcome to the show, Lee. I'm so glad to have you here. I've been looking forward to this for weeks Weeks. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Thank you. I'm so glad you're here. You're in unusual circumstances. You're on the road right now. So I feel like life is just in turmoil in so many different ways for so many of us right now. That was a terrible way to say, like, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) How screwed up are you? No, it's true. And I was just writing something for my website last night about there's so many things in my personal life and my family's lives that have just been a mess this year. But I just said, yeah, because 2020, I mean, it's just, uh, it never ended. (laughs) No. And it's been a season of grief and loss. And I, I think one of the things that happened to me was that I had the, the really naive idea that come first week of January, say, it was all just going to blow away Mm -hmm. and we'd all be happy again. And, you know, that was indeed naive. (laughs) But then I started, somebody challenged me to do a tally of things that have been going on with me professionally. And when I started totting them up, the list just went on and on. And so I had to come away saying, just in that sense, this has been an amazing year for me. I've been having, I've been having the best year during our Annus Horribilis. Yeah. But, you know. It's a reminder that, you know, our shows are not who we are, mm-hmm. because if you feel like you're, you're miserable, even though every time you get, another, you get a notified you've won another award, if, if your response is, eh, that's great, you know, then the, the disconnect is complete. So. Ooh, okay. Okay. I want to um, hear more about yeah, this. Uh, yeah. I want to hear more about this. This is really good. So you're the creator of Relativity, and we were talking before we started recording, or before I started recording. I should have been recording forever during our call, but (laughs) you were talking about how, you know, the end of the show is, we were talking about grief and loss. And Mm -hmm. creative projects, I think we often don't think about them as either aspects of our personality, or if we do, we don't think about what happens when that project is over. And what Mm -hmm. it means for a project to be over. So can you talk us a little bit through what you've been going through with that? I think part of what happened was that while I was preparing the last season or batch or fit or whatever they were (laughs) of episodes as, as Relativity was released, I turned 60. And I like to think that I don't think of these milestone birthdays as being some kind of, uh, well, tombstone or... Obstacle or, you know, I have kidded myself. I think that I don't. Hmm. But 60 comes down hard. Just you wait, Missy. <laughs> I was going to say, I've got 40 and, coming up, so. Yeah, exactly. And 50 was a terrible, terrible year in my life. So 
I was looking forward to at least not revisiting that. And and I'm now with a, a partner. My wife is the the light of my life, and you know, so I, I couldn't be happier about that essential, you know, part of my life. And I am respected by my professional peers. I teach playwriting and screenwriting for my alma mater, mm. the University of Alabama at Birmingham. And the theater department there is a group of people who love and respect one another. And I was a little surprised, even disappointed to find that that is not true of theater departments everywhere. Oh. <laughs> a lot of those are acrimonious little groups, but not ours. I mean, any of us, I think, would take a bullet for any of the I others. It's just So how rewarding is that? So, you know, it, so it's just about getting older, but it does mean I may be into that legacy marking phase of life. Mm. If you have 60 years to look back on a cross, then you, a lot of people, I think, look back and say, okay, so what was that all about? I think I, one thing is I learned I spent a lot of time worrying about things that don't matter. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and missing, adva- take, I failed to take advantage of a lot of things that I, I wish now that I had, you know, so there's that. But, you know, as a creative person, there is this thing, and people listening to this may, may be, you know, have been seduced by this, the idea that there's a plateau. Mm. That one day you're going to receive that Oscar, you're going to get the Presidential Medal of Freedom or whatever it is, you know. One day, for a lot of us, it's my mother's going to say, that was good. Mm. There is some kind of... Finish line. Finish line. Hmm. Yeah. And a lot of people who have come to the end of their lives and say, son of a gun, there wasn't a finish line. I did all of those things. I did all of those things. And I still felt like there was something else. Mm. I never quite got to it. My theory is that this is why so many people who become successful, uh, you know, millionaires overnight in sports and music and other fields of entertainment, that they, that they become raging alcoholics and drug mm-hmm. addicts. Mm-hmm. I think for a lot of people, this terrible sense that they haven't done it right or they haven't done it yet or whatever, that it, it can eat you alive. Yeah. I don't know. I think that I had fallen prey to, to some of that, that I, I would also, I would also, um, I don't know, um, look at the successes of the commercial successes of some of my peers and colleagues and, and say, well, I, I'm never going to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm glad for them, but it's not going to happen to me or I'm not, I'm not going to make it. And now time is running out. I didn't make it. And so all of which is to say that at some point during uh, the the writing and producing of relativity, I'm getting such lovely fan mail and the, my, you know, my download numbers are just going up and up and, and, but especially all of those people saying, this means a lot to me. I really appreciate that you've said this, done this or whatever. You've had this happen on the show. I mean, that's, as you know, that's more to be desired than gold. Yea, than much fine gold. Mm. And I think it hit me one day. Maybe this is it. Mm. This may be the finish line for me. I can decide right now that I made it. And there may be other things that I do after this that, you know, that are somehow more satisfying or whatever. But why not? Mm. I announce myself the winner of my life. <laughs> I won. And, and that's cool. I think that was a good idea because it felt really tremendous. And then we aired the last episode of the show and I think that's when the, like, uh, the elevator went down real fast. Like, mm. uh-oh. 
I think I gave my own epitaph. <laughs> Interesting. That means I'm dead. <laughs> but you're not. But I'm not. But I think in some ways the timing may have been bad. Mm. Because the pandemic has left so many people, so many create. well, maybe everybody, but the, you know, the, the people I talk with about it are, are creative types who are saying, I don't know where it's gone. Mm. I just don't want to do anything. And for me, that felt frightening. There has never been a time in my life, as long as, I mean, and I, I have good memories of being six and seven years old. I was always looking for something to, to do or make or draw or paint or something. Mm. And now I'm just not feeling it. And it's, that's frightening. It's like something, I lost something. Something broke. Yeah. What happened? I've never, never had that feeling before. Yeah. And you know, you, you and I are part of a group on Discord of a sci-fi fantasy podcasters. And we had a discussion in there one day where everybody reported the same problem. Mm. And we all agreed that there's something wrong with us as individuals. And I brought this to my therapist who said, did it not occur to you as a group that you're... <laughs> That because you're all feeling the same thing, that means it probably something external. It's not us. It's not us. <laughs> and I said, no. <laughs> we're, we're all a bunch of really smart people. Who, Seeing yourself is hard. Uh -huh. Seeing yourself in truth well, is it. hard. And maybe, I don't know, maybe we're people who are accustomed to saying, to asking the question about ourselves. And realizing or yeah. believing that we're the problem. Right. So, I don't know. But... Uh, yeah, I, I love my therapist. I, mean, I love your therapist. Just, this is great. Yeah, I mean, because he's, he's got a sense of humor. But yeah, he was saying, you may not have heard, but there was some bad stuff that went down last year. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't just at your house. It wasn't just in your head. Yeah. I've been reading the best book lately, and it's called Laziness Does Not Exist. It's, I picked it up just because I was curious, but really what this book has done is like unravel me from my entire core outward. I cannot recommend this book enough. It's Laziness Does Not Exist. And in it, the author, um, who's a non-binary individual, talks about, so this person has a, a PhD in social psychology and, and is talking about essentially burnout, but a very different kind of burnout. It's the kind of burnout that happens when we have created and we have had these very high expectations of ourselves, but also just been through the pandemic. So like this book was just published yeah. earlier this year, and it's just been so timely and relevant. And one of the things that Dr. Price, the author, takes a look at is this fear that I'm not creating now, so I'm not going to be able to create ever again. And I've lost something or something is broken in me. And I think that you and I are kind of both nodding through this. And I know that our group on Discord shared some very similar feelings. And I'm, I'm just going to make the assumption that the people listening to this right now are also nodding. Right. Because there's different types of burnout. There's the burnout that we feel after we're, you know, pushing ourselves physically too hard. There's, you know, the strain that comes from overworking ourselves. But then there's also this called secondary trauma. And it can come when we are looking at and experiencing, and I'm not a psychologist, so please read the book and do not sure. take my word for this. But <laughs> just to like sort of talk about this, 
Sarah Werner is not intended to treat, cure, or prevent any disease. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That <laughs> that always. I am also not a uh, financial advisor or legal professional, so <laughs> keep that in mind. <laughs> Don't let me advise you on the housing market right now. But it's just when we see other people suffering, like we saw all throughout 2020 and through a lot of 2021, to be honest. For me, 2021 has sure. been even tougher than 2020 was. In a lot of ways. Yeah. So. And mm-hmm. when we see other people suffering, when we look at, oh, the ocean's literally on fire or, you know, there's all these things and I feel so hopeless and helpless to fix, like we're experiencing that trauma almost as if we were there. And so I think that I want to say a couple things that number one, if you need to take a break right now, and I'm talking to Lee and I'm talking to anyone else who's listening, and I might even be talking to myself, if you need to take a break right now, that's okay. And if your break needs to be for a month or two months or six months or for the rest of 2021, if when I say that, if you feel a huge sense of relief, then that's okay. And maybe it's okay. You can think of it as a sabbatical if you want. You can think about it as a break. But the other half of that is this fear that when we come back, we won't have anything left. We won't have anything. Like the creativity won't be there. And... One of the things that the book talked me through was, you've been burned out before. Has there ever been a point in your life after a year, after two years, when you haven't wanted to come back to creating? And when I take a longer view of it, I say, well, no, I always, I always get the itch. And even if it's just to scribble a sentence, if it's not to take on a huge project, even if it's just to write a sentence or to have like a cool visual idea of something and just to write that down... It's still there and it doesn't go away. And Lee, I would love to get your your thoughts on this, your experience, you know, as, as you've been through decades of creativity. Like, what, what do you think about all this? I, I think you're exactly right. It's one of the most uh, poorly understood things, aspects of human existence, maybe, that as you were talking, uh, there was like there was a, a little bell ringing in my head. I, you and I have actually talked about this before a long time ago. That people who say, when is your next episode coming out? What they're saying is, I love you. Mm. And for a lot of us, what we're hearing is, oh, crap, this person's cracking the whip on my back just when I need a little more pressure. Right, and we're not good enough, and I can't do it, and yes. Exactly. I am a failure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And holy Hannah, what does it take for us to, to hear what they said was, I love you. I love your work. <laughs> your work speaks to me. Yes. Yeah. Right. They're not saying I'm gonna. No. <laughs> I'm gonna walk away if you don't give me some more right this minute. No, they're not holding us Beat hostage, me. but like that's what we hear, because right. what we're hearing is our own expectations and our own demands on ourselves magnified through their words, right? Like right. we're hearing our own anger and impatience, and we're like projecting that onto other people. When really, what they're saying is, "Hey, I love your show. I can't wait for more." Yeah. yeah. And may, is it ego? Maybe we, we think that they're going to die. Because mm. the the mental image that I have sometimes is of a nest of baby birds. Beep, 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 beep. And I say, I don't have anything for mm. you. And you're going to die. if I, you know. And that was not what they were saying. No. no. <laughs> and really, take a step back, Lee. Who do you think you are? <laughs> you know, but, you know, it, but it's, it is. It's just self-esteem and... I don't know. Self-loathing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're real. Oh. And they're important. Yeah. yeah that, that's it. Yeah. But I don't know. So I wonder if when um, 
we reached the end, the planned end of uh, relativity, if I sort of came away feeling exhausted, you know, and being happy that 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 responsibility that I placed on myself uh, had been had been lifted. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if there's also kind of a kind of a high that you get on people saying, well, "When's the next thing coming out?" Too. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, needing to be needed. Yeah. So it, it's very complicated. So we have approach avoidance about that, right? We want to we want to keep it a distance, but you also want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the story I always uh, often tell about myself because we've we've talked about um, Myers Briggs before yeah, yeah, too. I yeah. know that um, um, that I I always sort out on that I slash E thing, that introvert extrovert thing. That somebody who really gets his energy from being alone, you know, why in the world would we both want to play the lead roles on our shows? What's what's, what's going, going on? on? Yeah, that makes zero sense unless you're <laughs> inside our own heads. So at my university, a long time ago, we, we've sort of had to shift the practice now, especially even before the pandemic. But the, the doctoral hooding ceremony... UAB is built around the medical school. Hmm. It began as a medical school and has become a, a respected liberal arts institution. But the, the hooding of the doctors is still a big, big deal. And we have students who come from all over the planet to be doctors from UAB. And so I'm, you know, I'm proud of that. Well, they wanted somebody who was like a professional speaker to announce this ceremony because we read, we read their names. And as I say, they come from everywhere. And read and we read their their dissertation titles. Oh, and so I would spend. I got them in advance, thank goodness. <laughs> so they were not a surprise every time you were handed a card or somebody walked across the stage. But I would spend a solid week leading up to that event, researching and practicing how to say these people's names. Because you know, if some, somebody mm-hmm. from from Pakistan has come here and has been here for six years, their parents have flown out here too. And I really want them to hear their son or daughter's name said the way they say it. Mm-hmm. You know? And I put a lot of effort into this. And the head of the graduate school, bless them, would, 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 would end the ceremonies by saying, let's take a moment to acknowledge Professor Shackelford, <laughs> <you know? laughs> who read and pronounced all these names. And the audience would just go nuts. And I lo- came to look forward to that moment. Mm. But... When it arrived, I wanted to get under my chair. Uh-huh. Sarah gets it. Uh huh. Uh huh. Sarah understands. I'm going to assume that a think, lot of you out there are nodding right now as well. Yeah, yeah. They're going. I would do the same thing. I would say, "Yeah, come on, come on." Oh, okay, okay no, 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 no. I'm not that I, great. Uh, okay, uh, sorry. Sit back down. Yeah, right. nope. That's enough. That's enough. Why do we do this to ourselves? I was just about to yeah. ask you that question. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. I think we are culturally taught that we are not supposed to think better of ourselves than we ought. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's um, that's the Apostle Paul talking mm-hmm. there. And um, that's one I was hit with um, a lot as a kid growing up in Church of Christ, is to not think better of yourself than you ought. Now, that language is actually pretty vague. Yeah. Who decides so, what ought is? Yeah. And if we are to love our neighbors as ourselves... If we hate the ourselves. loving yourself. Yeah. That's asking for trouble, isn't it? So, don't know. It's fraught. But yeah, I think culturally, to be good little boys and girls, mm-hmm. that we are told to 
kind of keep our heads down and not to not be waiting for applause, mm. even though we know deep down that we we earned it. We actually have earned it. Oh, this is such a huge, huge topic, I think, for both of us, Lee. Like, I mean, and people are complicated, right? And the way that we were raised, because I was raised, you know, the same way, like, you know, be humble, mm -hmm. put others first. But it's very easy to end up in a place of self-hatred or self-loathing mm -hmm. and self-diminishment. And, it, and it's so interesting to be a creator or a performer or anything that we do in the public eye with that mentality because it's like, oh, I shouldn't be doing this, but this is also what I feel like I was uniquely crafted to do, you know? Right. And it's like, oh, do I bury my talents in the ground or do I let them shine? Like, what do mm -hmm. I do with all this? Like, do I stay quiet and do I stay humble and yeah. do I let others take the spotlight or do, like, do I perform? And it's, it's just this... I feel like I'm just repeating your words back to you, but I want you to know that like you're not alone in this, that it's it's so complicated. And I actually saw a therapist years ago about this too, who told me, you know, why are you dimming your light? Like, why mm. are you shying away from your purpose? And on whose behalf are you doing that? And who are you and who do you want to be? And did you know that you're allowed to be the person that you want to be and that you're allowed to want to be something? And it was just this huge mental, like internal culture shift to think that it was okay to want to be seen and it was okay to want to share an experience and a message. I don't know, but it's just this internal conflict, this, this duality always of, and I love that you even compared it to the, am I an introvert or an extrovert? I don't know. I think I'm both. I'm both all the time, always. And I'm really uh -huh. trying to, you know, I, I recently read Anne Lamott's new book, Dusk, Night, Dawn, and it really put me into alignment with some of the paradoxes. There's, there's a great appreciation for paradox in that book. And it's like, I am light and I am dark and I am introvert and I am extrovert and I am sinner and I am saint. And right. we are so much more incredibly complex than I think we realize or we can realize. And that doesn't fit with behavioral things that we're taught, you know? Right. We're not taught that like, hey, so you contain multitudes, so you may mm -hmm. act inconsistently. No, we're told like, do this, do this, do this. And I don't know where I'm going with this. So I might just throw things back to you because I think this is really yeah. interesting to talk about. And, and I, I can't wait to hear feedback from people listening to this because I, I feel that there are probably so many people, fans of right now who are, as you say, are nodding as they listen to this and say, oh, holy smoke, they have got me. I feel very seen right now. They will say, you are seen. <laughs> That's yes. me. You are seen. Yes, you are. We got you. <laughs> and yeah, I hope what you're hearing is, and we love you. We, we, we understand what's uh, that this can be hard. This can eat you up mm -hmm. trying to figure out how to how to make sense of all this. Mm -hmm. I had the idea, I feel like I had exactly one really positive kind of life-changing experience in high school Ooh. that I was not a popular person in high school. I was frankly bullied and beaten and uh, yeah. Oh, me too. For being who yeah. I was. I know. Yep. You know what a weirdo. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know what possessed me to do it, but I tried out for the, the school play, which is 
a big musical. We were doing Oklahoma, Ooh. like everybody yeah. else. And I was cast as uh, Allie Hackham, as the comic lead in the in the play. And that fell right into my, my skill set. I was able to, to be uh, the, the funny guy. And people who wouldn't look at me before, after that play, greeted me in the hall. Mm. I was a hero. Mm. And I still, you know, I can still sort of feel in my bones the sound of them laughing at the funny bits and the way that I performed them and the mm-hmm. the applause sometimes just when, when my character would was supposed to come out on stage mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. here he comes again yay they loved me yeah. and yeah so then I, I chose a career in the theater because <laughs> it's like I'll have some more of that please yeah. a place where I'm not scorned and reviled yeah. I'll go hey. there sounds pretty good but I misunderstood. I think that uh, that doesn't mean that I was cut out to be an actor. Mm. My idea was that I'm going to be an actor for the stage and I'm going to be a working actor and I'm going to, this is going to be my life. And I got all the way through graduate school before I had that finally beaten out of me by a, uh, a pretty demanding, a, a really wildly misfunction, dysfunctional, I now, <laughs> I now see in retrospect, but, but a demanding program in which my big takeaway was you don't have the physical persona of the kind of actor you want to be. Hmm. You don't have, you don't have the face to, of a movie star. You don't have the movement. You know, they were said, there's nothing wrong with your, your skeleton, with your frame so far. You know, you have a nice figure. I remember a director telling me once, Okay, <laughs> you know, which is very nice. Validating. Yeah. He said, but, but that was in uh, along the way to say, but you do need to stand up. And, and I had always <gasps> had this kind of um, oh. um, crookback um, posture because I was trying to hide. I was trying to, you know, I'm 6'2", and I w- I, if, if you don't want people to pay attention to you, then it's really hard when you're 6'2". So I kept trying to make myself shorter. And so they, I do appreciate the fact that they encouraged me to stand the hell up yeah. <laughs> the first time. <laughs> but they said, but you just don't, your movements are not graceful. You know, if you think you're going to go to a career on Broadway, you got to be an actor, singer, dancer. Mm. Your singing voice is fair. Your acting skills, you have talent, but you seem to be reluctant to share it with anybody. Mm. <laughs> your choices are always very small. And if you're going to work for the stage, you need to figure out how to make big and bold choices. You have a facility with voices, but even there, your voices are all, they, you can always tell it's Lee. You know, they're, they're a little, but... um all of, so I came away from all that saying, don't try. Mm. You better f- find something else to do. And I got interested in writing mm. during that time. And so I'm certainly grateful for that because that pushed me along the path to being a playwright and a screenwriter. And that has worked out fine for me in the whatever it's been, 35 years since then. So, so thank you very much. But Orson Welles said it. <laughs> I, I even have it on my website. <laughs> I say, the camera is your judge. The microphone is your friend. Mm. Mm. And the discovery that I could get behind the mic, and I can even, I can even work in the dark if I want mm. to. I don't even have to see myself on camera. But I can be anybody that I imagine to be, and nobody, and the, the, the physical form that people are going to experience of the character I'm playing is going to happen in their minds. Mm. And that has been so liberating for me. And now, I don't know, well... My partner on Relativity, uh, Elena Jordan, may she live 10,000 years. 
she and I were honored by the, the Telly Awards. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, honoring our vocal performances on that show. If you had told me 35 years ago that I was going to win an award like that for my for my performance in anything, well, no, 35 years ago I would have said, of course. But what I mean <laughs> is, <laughs> because, you know, one of the reactions to having low self-esteem is to be brash and uh -huh. arrogant. And so I, I went through that period too. But but the truth is I I would have been astonished. But I do think it's a good performance throughout. I think my work as on as an actor on Relativity is is almost certainly the some of the best acting I've ever done. And and uh, the whole point of this was that that has come as a response to being told that I can't do this, that I'm not good enough, and I never will be. So what I did was I found something else, and and as it turns out. I got back to where I wanted to be in the first place, mm. but without without I, f I found out how to how to do the work without the judgment. Yes. So yeah. So this has said so much, and I'm curious. You know, finding you know we we started this conversation by talking about like finish lines and success metrics, and and mm -hmm. you know you've won an award and you have found your way to the end of the planned end of a very good show. And there's just so much tied up in this. There's so much uh -huh. of you. There's so much of your accomplishment. There's so much of your story that's, that's tied up in this. And I think my question for you is honestly, what's next? Yeah. And I don't know. And I feel like another thing where, where we, again, we may have listeners uh, nodding and saying, yeah, yeah, I get you, is that I, right now I just don't feel motivated to do anything else. And yet, <laughs> now, and I keep saying, I've been saying that for six mm. months, and this is why somebody challenged me to write down things that have happened professionally. Mm. Since I started saying that I have this, this crippling ennui, that I don't feel like doing anything, I've written a play for my alma mater that, we then produced with an amazing group of talents and it ended up being honored at the Kennedy center for heaven's sake. No big deal. And, what? <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> what? And I don't know. I've just been asked to come back to a theater festival in North Carolina and do something in this August. And I said, yeah, sure. You know, I sign me up. I'm not turning things down. <laughs> I'm just having trouble getting things started. <laughs> I don't know. But it's very strange. I feel deeply that I don't have anything that I want to do, but I'm doing things all the time. Yeah. Oh, I am. Explain yeah, that. Yeah, well, I can't because I'm right there with you. And yeah. I've. When is season two well, of Girl here, in Space actually, coming Physically, out? I can show yeah. you. See this giant notepad yeah. here? Right. <laughs> oh, that's Thank fabulous. you. This is, I know those of you listening. I wish everybody you could see this, but. I yeah. don't know if you can see that, has, but. She has some tiny notes, but it looks like you're 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 storyboarding and you're creating sort of a, a graphic idea board and yeah. But have yeah. has my heart been in it? Yeah, you're doing it because you know you're supposed to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it's tied up in so many feelings of guilt because you know I left my day job to do this, mm -hmm. and it's just. It's not what I want to feel. I want to like bounce out of bed and like I, I remember doing this. Like when I first mm -hmm. started the show, when I've started other creative projects, 
my eyes spring open at 6.30 or whatever, and I'm like, oh boy, I get to work on blah, blah, blah all day. Hooray! Mm -hmm. And I jump out of bed and I make coffee and I sit in my chair and I'm like, yeah! And boy... There's so much wrapped up that in this. It seems like a long time ago now. It does. It, yeah, it does. And yeah. it seems like an impossibility to get that back. But I don't think it is. I don't think it is. Well, I hope you're right. And and I agree. I believe you're right. My faith is that you're right. But yeah, I'm not feeling it now either. I just shared a link with you in the chat and I saw you smile and point at it. So I, I know we're we're on the same page oh, yeah. about this. There's a, there's a young woman who has created what she considers a, a legitimate Christian ministry that she's calling the nap ministry. And she is now the, the evangelist, the, the, the self-appointed patron saint of giving yourself an opportunity to lie down and go to sleep. Yes. And I, I encourage people to check it out. We'll put her in the show notes. Yeah. Right? Yes, please. Yes. Because it's easy to smile at that and say, oh yeah, oh, I guess everybody, wa- yeah. Yeah, every, everybody wants to be the, the priestess of nap. Yeah. But as you read more about her thinking about it and her feeling about it and her her experiences mm-hmm. of spreading the good news about taking a nap, it is. It's And I have certainly adopted it. Mm-hmm. And my golly, she's right. I think there are times where we're just saying, I don't have the energy for this. Well, come back to it in an hour. But meanwhile, just lie down and don't do anything. Yeah. Your job right now is to refresh, replenish, restore. And fill your cup. Yeah, fill your cup. You're trying to pour out of an empty bottle. Yeah. And and really, I feel like she, as much as anybody, has really helped me say, maybe that's it. I poured it all out in relativity. Maybe maybe some more comes from somewhere else, but I just don't have it right now. Yeah. And like, what are we, what are we filling up with too? It's like, I realized last year, the end of last year, I realized like, I haven't really been reading a whole lot. And Mm. so this year I have made it a point. Like, I think I've read 40 books or so, so far this year, just like voraciously reading. And I'm like, oh, this is where the ideas come from. This is where the creativity comes from. This feels good. Oh, I'm getting ideas again. Yeah. There's just so much going on, though. There's empty cup. There's exhaustion. There's burnout. There's the state of the world. There's feelings of hopelessness. There's the expectations that we set and that we believe are set for us by others. There's a day job that gets in the way. There's, hmm. I think, I think we're asking too much of ourselves. And this is another reason why I love the nap ministry. It's, it's such a good reminder that that we can rest mm-hmm. and that our worth is not determined by what we produce and accomplish at all times. Right. And boy, do you want to talk about wrapping up your worth in something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Just before we started recording, yeah, we we're talking about the fact that to many people, when we've been at conferences and things like that, People don't know you at all, but they see your glasses frames and they say, that's girl in space. Uh-huh. That's who you are mm-hmm. as far as they're concerned. So if there are no ep- new episodes coming out, maybe you don't exist. And who am I? Right? Yeah. Well, in relativity, right. when relativity comes to an end, who are you? Yeah. Yeah. Didn't you used to be relativity? Didn't you used to be somebody? Oh, no. I hope nobody has ever said that to you and never will say that to you. <laughs> I will no, punch you- them. Well, no, you know me. I'd, I'd be delighted to be right. I mean, okay, yeah. That's so that that part's cool. There's that part's that, cool. But, but yeah, but the didn't you used to? But be, the yeah. the shaming the right. Ugh, 
Right. I don't like that. I don't like any of that. Yeah. And and here's <laughs> the other thing too. And I know that we're talking to creators and I know that as creators, that's the, probably the biggest part or one of the biggest parts of our identity is that even when you're not creating, you still have that part as your identity. Like even if you are not actively creating something right now, you are still a creator and like nothing in you has gone away. Like nothing in you has withered and died, even though it might feel like it, even though you're tired or you're depressed, even if it feels like there's just like you've, you've been underwatered and you're shriveling Mm -hmm. in the hot, cruel, (laughs) punishing sun, you still have a root system and the roots are still there. I truly firmly believe that. Yeah. I truly believe that. That's a great image. I love that image. Wow. Yeah. That's part of what's happening is that to extend the metaphor, we, we, have, we have been out of the sunlight and we haven't been properly watered mm-hmm. for a long time. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I like that. Did yeah. you? Oh, oh, this reminds me too. Oh, I think where I, I subconsciously got that image of the plant. Have you read Austin Kleon's article about languishing? And so there was that New York Times article about languishing, like, oh, I'm, in, I'm languishing right now. But then Austin Kleon came back with a response and he said, I'm not languishing, I'm dormant. Interesting. So, because I've shared that I love the languishing article and I've shared it far and wide because it really was the beginning of what I felt like an answer for me. Yes, me too. Me too. I need to know the follow-up there because I... I okay. Um, yes. You need this follow-up. It was so good. And it's aimed at creators. And you can see, I don't know if you can see behind me, those of you listening can't see, I have 37 plants in my office. Yes, Mm -hmm, I have a problem, but... This is a problem. (laughs) I turned into a crazy plant lady during the... Well, I guess I was always a crazy plant lady. We we both wrote stories about people isolated on their spaceships and their comfort in life is to go where the plants are. Mm. You know, that's not a coincidence. That's... That's, No, we're just, we're just twins, essentially. That's right. (laughs) But sometimes plants go dormant and it doesn't mean they're done. It doesn't mean they're dead. doesn't mean they're languishing. Because I'll tell you something that that struck me at some point in the process too. And I wondered, could this be the problem? It's not a spoiler for people who haven't heard relativity to say that this is a story about a person, a guy who is half of the story, at least who is in a place cut off from everybody else and kind of working with the technology that's sometimes unfamiliar to him and he's fleeing a planet but that's uh, you know in the middle of a climate catastrophe and there's a you know species killing viral pandemic and when the show ended i was sitting in my little office by myself realizing i actually am somebody along mm. struggling with my technology on a climate disaster planet and <laughs> fleeing from a global pandemic wow it didn't go away when the show ended. No. Ooh, and was the show your way of at least partially processing and dealing with that? I think that, uh, well, there wasn't a global pandemic really when I when I started writing about that. And, and so that was sort of weird. And, um, but, uh, and I don't know, I, I'm a little more optimistic about our climate catastrophe than I, than I used to be, a little. So, yeah, but it is still funny to think about um, that I was writing a story in some ways about isolation. And so many of us then in that last year ended up being isolated. I wonder if that's one of the reasons why 
we had sort of a surge of listenership there during the pandemic. I mean, there are a lot of reasons for that, but I, I think maybe a lot of people have said, yeah, preach. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to get out of this thing too. Yeah. But, um, but what, but like Chris and Sophia on the show, what has saved a lot of us, what has kept a lot of our sanity going is, is the sound of somebody else's voice or being able to, you know, to stay connected uh, through the internet. Mm. And I don't know. That really was the idea in the beginning. It was just to tell a story about two people who are remote emotionally. And as the distance between them grows, they actually grow closer emotionally. I just thought that was an interesting idea in itself, you know. I think it's beautiful. Have, that's, that's what saves so many of us, like, through, you know, through the pandemic and even and even now. I'm so curious to ask, and I don't know how to ask it, but you know, in a way we each live through our creative projects, but for you, what does it mean to create something? And like, what, what is the value to you in creating and being creative? Yeah, that is an interesting question, isn't it? Because as I said before, I just don't ever remember a time when I wasn't always making something. It just feels like that's the most natural thing in the world. Mm-hmm. There was never a cardboard box that came into our house that that ended up in the trash immediately because my mom knew to give it to me. It has to be a spaceship first. It certainly does. Obviously. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. So I I don't I don't know where that comes from, but I do feel lost and alone right now because I don't because I'm not feeling it the way I always have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I know it. I know it's. I know it was vital. Mm. <laughs> I know it was something that I felt like was keeping me alive. It was like an appetite. Um, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that's a good a good image. It's just, it's like, I, I don't, yeah, that doesn't taste good to me anymore. Yeah, I'm not hungry anymore. Like, I'm I don't want any, anymore. right? And I, yeah, and I hope we're right. I hope this is not a permanent condition. It's just, I love the roots image. The roots are still down there. Mm-hmm. They're still down there. They're just... They're just tired. Yeah. And dormancy is a normal part of life. Mm-hmm. My dad was a, a civil engineer and uh, worked on some a lot of little projects and some big projects. And one of the big projects was uh, a part of Alabama where the power company was going to build a hydroelectric plant. And which meant that they were going to have to change change the course of mighty rivers <laughs> and create some uh, lakefront property where the lakefront property had not existed before. Mm-hmm. So it meant you know planning exactly how this is going to happen so that you don't swamp people who. <laughs> and um, but there were places where there had been a lake before, and that had dried up, mm-hmm. and so part of the land. There is a point to this story, I promise. The oh, I'm here the, for it. I'm listening. <laughs> good, good. Part of the contour of, of, of re-flooding this property was going to mean there was going to be water there. Back in this place where there had been a lake, who knows how long before, outside of anybody's memory. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they flooded this, this property, and very quickly, there were fish in the pond, in the new pond. Fish that were not native to the area fish that were not part of the ecosystem of that lake. Where'd they come from? They were the fish that had been in the lake before. (gasps) Wait, what? Their eggs had been down in the soil, and as near as anybody can tell, waiting there for 50, 75 years. 
Oh my gosh, I didn't know that was possible. I didn't either. <laughs> but you know, the, we had all these uh, expert ichthyologists who would come around. That, that's, uh, those are the ones who were identifying the species and saying, no, we don't get these around here anymore. But they were here once, and now they're here again. Oh my gosh. So, as one of the great scientists of our day has taught us, life uh, finds a way. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Malcolm. <laughs> So, wow. so why, why shouldn't that be true for us as creatives too? That our our fish eggs are just down in the waiting down in the soil, maybe. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But what's the water? What is? Mm, that's the question, isn't it? What brings us back? What rehydrates us? What? And I was actually while you were giving while you were talking about that, I was just thinking myself like, what if? we're so exhausted and maybe our souls have withered a little bit. And, and regardless of where you believe that creativity comes from, whether you believe that it comes from within or it comes from, uh, it's, it's a curation from everything that you take in or whether you believe it's divinely inspired or whatever else it is you may believe about creativity. What if it's not up to us to like restart our own engine? You know, I mean, what if we need people and it's so, it's so, it's so hard right now because not even just because of the pandemic, because like we're physically separated from people. And, but I, I think that we need other people to care and to, and to see us and to say, Hey, I need your art. The world needs your art. I need whatever it is. And whatever you create next doesn't have to take everything away from you. Whatever you create next does not have to exhaust you. You do not have to like give your soul for this work. Like it feels good to like put your heart and your soul into your work, but like that's not a requirement, right? And I, I, I've been thinking so much lately about creative community and how much we need it. And I was maybe a little bit arrogant when I first started, well, <laughs> throughout most of my life, you know, follies of youth. <laughs> I was like, oh, if you're a writer, you're just by yourself. If you're a creator, you're just by yourself and you're just on your own power and you're moving forward and you're creating things and you're this, you know, whatever, soul, brilliant artist, whatever. And I'm wondering now if I've reached a place and maybe other people identify with this as well, where I need help being myself. I need help living. I need help drawing out creative energy. I just, I just need I need help. And I don't know 100% what that looks mm. like, whether what I need is like validation or encouragement or co-creators helping me with ideas. But I, I have an appreciation, you know, now that we, I think, feel so alone, I have an appreciation for other people and for creative community that that's really, I think, starting to speak out to me. And one of the things that I love to think about is that I've worked this theme into Girl in Space is that like, yeah, it's really cool for us to like take action and save ourselves and to save other people. But like, we also need to make room for other people to save us. And we all end up needing, I think, to save each other. And I, I think this applies to life. I think it applies to creativity. And, you know, I've had to leave some room for, for nuance. You know, it's not just like, oh, one person reaches out to me and happily ever after I can create forever again. Right. But it, I, I think that what we need is maybe a better system of leaning on each other and a better system of encouraging each other and a deeper community 
And, and I know building a community is a lot of work and maintaining a community is a lot of work. But I also think that at least partially, I think that's where that water might come from. I feel that you must be right. <laughs> I want to be right. <laughs> the the anecdotal support that I have for that is that uh, as a sufferer of uh, depression and anxiety, there there is a, a reliable time of the day. And we're working, my doctors and I, to fix this. But yeah, there's a certain time of day where the meds wore off. And I just don't care anymore. Yep. And that's tough. And it is coincidentally about the time that um, my great friends uh, Kyle Jones and Clarence Brown and I sit down to record episode of Discussing Who. And this is our, our little chat podcast about Doctor Who. And week after week, I drag myself to that chair and bring down that microphone and say, okay. <laughs> Here I gotta, goes. <laughs> I got to, yeah, I got to pull it together enough to talk about this. And an hour... After, 90 minutes later, after we finished talking about a 45-minute episode of a TV show, I feel fine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I feel good again. What happened? You know? Yeah, we talked about Doctor Who, but I think mostly I, I spent 90 minutes with Kyle and Clarence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that may have been some, that's some water in the pond. I, so, all of which is to say, I think you're right. I think the, my experience is, you're right. That's where it is. But it's so easy to forget. Yeah. Well, especially for those of us who are accustomed to, to being along with our keypads. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and relying on ourselves. Like, I've been independent mm -hmm. for most of my life. Like, I've been yeah. self-reliant. I was taught to be self-reliant. And it's like, mm -hmm. I even had a, my the first therapist I worked with, just one of the first things she ever said to me was, wow, you're your own best friend, aren't you? And my response was like, yeah, I've had to be, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Nobody else will listen to me. I know. It's just, it's just me and me here. Yeah. But, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, there's something about being in that community, about being heard and being seen and just existing alongside other people and having your story inner, I don't want to say interfere with theirs, having your stories interlock, just, you know, Mm -hmm. For even that brief period of time that like re-energizes us. And I think it goes beyond the, you know, introvert extrovert thing, right? I think that that's, I think it goes beyond that. And I think energy is involved. Like, oh, I get energy back from being with these, these wonderful people. But I think it's, I think it's more than that somehow. And I, I, I can't exactly define how. Mm -hmm. Are we saying I just want to check. I just want to make sure of this. Are we saying that people who need people are, in fact, the luckiest people in the world? Is no, that's not what we're saying. I think that's close to what we're saying. Maybe we're. <laughs> I didn't sing it. I, I think that. Yeah. No, I think we are. I think we absolutely are. I think we are, and I think we need to remember that. And and I don't know if it goes back to, you know, oh, it's so interesting about how we think about ourselves. You know, we were talking about identity a little bit earlier. And you and I both have essentially what are like solo shows, right? Uh -huh. And along the way, I, I developed the sense of pride that I was creating this thing like, quote unquote, all by myself, you know. Um, but we're not. We're not. No. no. And we can't. And and so then when I went back to season two, the biggest thing 
that stood out in my mind was like, okay, you did season one. Now it's time for you to do season two. And it just was so much. It was too much. You, you the chosen one, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, have you seen Elizabeth Gilbert's TED Talk on uh, your elusive creative genius? Yes. Mm-hmm. Maybe we need to... And those of you who are listening and you haven't seen it, please, I'll, I'll try to remember to include a link in the show notes. You got to put that, yeah, because oh. you, you're the one who sent me that. Oh, did I? I? I had not seen it before, but yeah, you would you would share that with me. Oh, oh, you're it's right, so and good. it is. Yeah, it is. It is mind blowing if you're a creative person. Yeah, probably just for anybody. Yeah, and she talks about not necessarily community, but she talks about not having the pressure of having to be a genius or having to be a solo creator and being perfect and being wonderful and being lauded and and winning awards. It's not all on you, or at least historically, it wasn't always seen as that. And, And really, I think the talk is about expectations and it's about identity and it's about how hard we are on ourselves. You know, in the olden days, you could just say like, oh yeah, my muse isn't here with me today, so I can't write. But like today, you know, we live in, (laughs) at least you and I live in the United States where it's like all bootstraps and and individualism and we're all John Wayne and it's up to us alone to save the Mm -hmm. world. And that has its own, I don't know, that has its own exhaustions along with it too. Yeah. Is it Brene Brown who who talks about uh, the film Flashdance? Maybe. I have a confession yeah. to make. I own all of Brene's, Brene Brown's books, and I've never read any of them. Wow. I own them well, all. I've read none. I have them as audiobooks, so I oh, have- Oh, that's smart. She, she has talked to me on the road. Oh. So I'm, I wonder if I've sat down and read any of them. Anyway, but anyway. But Flashdance was a cultural milestone for for people my, my age. Oh, my gosh. That was back in the 80s. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But anyway, but you know, the, it is a story about a woman who has this aspiration of being a, a famous, a world class dancer, and it is building towards her audition. And at the end of the movie, she gives her audition at the fame school, and it is the most extraordinary thing you've ever seen in your life. It's the climax of the movie because, of course, she's going to get in after doing that. And Brene's point is it's easy to watch that and say, You're right, I can do anything. But what you're also taking away is, I have to do that. Mm. And she says, here's a secret about making a movie. That's six different dancers wearing the same costume. So you say, how did Jennifer Beals do that? She didn't. She and six other people did that. Mm. So get off your own back. Gosh. <laughs> and and I thought... <laughs> that's fascinating. I have not heard that anecdote before. And it's 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 really interesting. And and oh my gosh, I this is gonna be the most, I think, in my own mind, the most controversial thing I've ever said. But I wonder if in that Uh-oh. way get ready. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering if in elevating what a hero can do in a story, if that has maybe harmed us in some way. If if we see ourselves as needing to be the sole creator, the sole whatever hero in a story, and I don't know, and I know that's probably just, I think, probably Western storytelling that's like that, but like, I don't know, that that lifting up of the individual hero, the hero's journey, like you know, in a way like, yeah, we're, we're our own heroes on our own hero's journey, especially, you know, I talk about the creative journey and it's very similar, but boy, do I wonder if we've maybe created through that story structure, if we, if we've created some kind of 
harmful monster. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, we've made a monster. You could say a monster. Yeah. We should probably leave it there. <laughs> leave, leave that leave that bomb ticking in people's laps. For one thing, I have a, another meeting I have to go to. Perfect. Well, and I have to go but, too. Um, but oh my gosh, I love yeah. this, um, Lee. I want to say before I let you go. Thank you for being on the show. I absolutely adore talking with you. You're one of my favorite people to chat with. This has just been an absolute delight. Where can people find you? How can they encourage you and create community with you moving forward? Yeah, look for my website, which is shacklefordfreelance.com. Shackle like shackle, Ford like Ford. I've learned to say. (laughs) And all of that links you to Relativity Podcast. Dot com. Fantastic. So I love this so much. Yeah, I just want to stay here and talk with you all day. But well, same, but life. We got other things to life do. Life happens. Yes. So Lee, <laughs> I'm going to let you go. Thank you again. I'll make sure links to all of your work is in the show notes for today's episode. And please take good care of yourself. You too. All right. Please do.